0: Oh. oh, that's a very nice response. Um, I want to begin by giving you the best piece of advice I ever got given on how to pray. All right? This is from my auntie, and I was four years old, only four, and she gave me something that was mind-blowing. She said, I could pray anywhere, and everywhere, and about anything. Now, as a sceptical four-year-old. <laughs> I thought, I'm, I'm not really sure about this, Auntie Debbie. Um, I think everywhere, maybe, but anywhere? I, I don't know anything. I don't, I'm not sure. Look, Auntie Debbie, there's one thing you've missed. You can't pray to God on the toilet. Now, Auntie Debbie, very kind, announced me and said, Even on the toilet. This piece of radical advice, I think, just slipped into my consciousness over the years. When I, by the time I got to university, it was just sort of the thing you did. You could pray anywhere. I remember I was in the kitchen, um, and I was making a Thai chicken curry in the microwave. horrible. I should pray for that. And I, <laughs> I, um, I had it on, and I was just praying over my day, over just, like, just how I felt about stuff. And a university friend of mine just burst in, looked terrified at me awkwardly shuffled out and then kind of came back in again. And she just said, I, I, I didn't, what are you doing? I didn't know you could do that. Well, so for her, prayer was not something you did while she microwaved side Thai chicken curry. Prayer for her was something her grandma did in India. It was like in a sanctuary, in a place apart from everyone, in a place where children could not go, and a place where you had to be on your own. But for me, what I hadn't realized was actually quite shocking, is that I prayed anywhere and everywhere, and it didn't really matter who was there. And not only that, but I could pray about anything. Now, we all kind of know that, right? I'm guessing most of us know that, that we serve a God, Jesus, who died for us, who loves us, who wants to have a relationship with us and who we can pray to, anywhere and everywhere, and about everything. Yet, the thing we often forget is the everything bit. Because, we, I think, what I do certainly, and what we often do as churches, is we put God and say, okay, there are certain things, God, you can help me deal with. Like, the big stuff, the decisions, my, my big dreams for work, the problems with my relationships, my kids, my future. And where we leave God out is in the most mundane stuff. In the stuff of our very everyday. The boring bits. The washing up. The travelling. The commuting. The car. Just the Just the little things of our lives. And this sermon series this September is going to be about work, eat, sleep, repeat. And next week we'll have work. And then after that we'll have sleep and then we'll end with eat. And the idea is it's in the wrong order, that's fine. Um, <laughs> the, the idea is that there's something so ordinary about a, the routine of our lives. And whilst we often think, oh God's calling me to do this, that, and this or the other, what we're gonna wanna do and what we want to focus on together this month is about how actually God wants to transform our routine. He doesn't just want to take us out of it and put us in the Christian festival. Or on the mountain top of achievement. Like those things are great, I and mean, we'll talk about those another time. This month, what we're going to look at is just the ordinary stuff. The very basics of life. The foundations that just get us from A to B. And we often, I often, when I pray, I think about the destination. And like, I know, oh, Lord, help me to understand where I'm going to go. And once we've got a destination, I'll just sort of make my own way there. We often think the best way to get to that destination is the most efficient way, right? We've just got to choose the most efficient thing, we've just got to get there. And what we forget, what we leave God out of is the prep, the bag, right here, before we've even got there. It's the bag. We want to, what I want to take is stock and time to look over that bag, that bag of preparation, and ask, God, how can we reimagine the normal stuff of our life, the very basics, the work, eat, sleep, repeat, the washing up and the TV, the car and the driving and the parking and all those things that may not have gone well today, all those basic stuff. Work, eat, sleep, repeat. The routine can get so boring. It can be so mundane. It's almost hard to see Jesus in this. Jesus seems to be this like, striking, strange figure, but he's not a God of escapism. Our God is not simply a God of the crazy, amazing destination he's taking us. He's also a God of the preparation and the process. So let's invite him into that. And that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be inviting him into that process. Now, particularly, I don't want to look at work, eat or sleep. I want to look at the repeat. The the kind of cycle that we go through. Now, everyone's going to have a slightly different cycle. But as humans... We pretty much all do a kind of a cycle throughout the week. We go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You might have a different way of doing that to so the person next to you. We all have a bit of a cycle of breathing, eating, sleeping. And that cycle, I want to put a wedge in. I want to shove a wedge in today and go, let's reimagine it. Let's not just thoughtlessly do that cycle of existence without God. Let's shove a wedge in it and rethink it by his terms. And the way we're going to do that is by looking at the Gospel of Luke. I'll be looking at Luke in all four of the sermons across this September, because Luke is hes a great writer for the nitty-gritty, and because we're looking at the real mundane, boring stuff, Luke is perfect. He, he loves evidence, and he loves testimony, and he loves getting right into the stuff of Jesus' life. So the aim is to try and pick out of Luke's gospel, not... How we copy Jesus later, let's wear some sandals and like a robe or something. It's not that. The idea is to look at like how he does the basic stuff of being human. He breathed, he came, he, God gave his only son to us. He was human as well as fully God. So what can we learn from how he did work, eat, sleep, repeat? And for that today, for the repeat, we're going to look at Luke 9 and Luke 22. And these bookend the disciples' mission. So I'm going to want to begin with Luke 9, verses 1 to 5, or 1 to 6. And Paul's going to come read that for us. Thank you, Paul. It's uh, page 723. Luke 9, 1 to 6. When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey: No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet. as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing the people everywhere. Thanks, Paul. So this is Jesus' advice to his disciples as they're going out on the road on a very specific mission. Now, his extra instructions for them there of how to do their everyday may seem crazy, right? And to an extent, they were crazy. He's asking them to put down everything, just that... The really mundane stuff like bread, bags, shoes, everything. Everything down. Down and go. Down and go. Put down your stuff. Put it down. Because I've got a mission for you. Now this is a very specific type of mission Jesus has given his disciples. He's sending them to the Jews. And he's sending them to the Jews before he's died and been resurrected. So this is a time when... He wants his disciples to go tell the Jews that there is the good news, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand and they need to repent and turn back to God. It's a situation where the disciples have to rely on two things. One, the hospitality of God. Two, the hospitality of the Jews. For that, they can't take anything. In order for them to do the normal routine of life, right in that, right in that cycle, has to be reliance on hospitality. Reliance on that situation. Reliance on God, God providing, and reliance on the Jews providing. Because the mission is so urgent, Jesus says you just have to go. You're going to have to leave all this stuff behind. You just go, and you will be provided for. Now, it's quite a striking thing to go out without your cloak and anything. This is not a situation where they could just I don't know, pitch up a hotel or something. These are, they are going right into people's lives, right into this culture's lives, and saying, well, we are here to change things. And not only that, but we need, to help. we need help. We need, in order to preach our good news to you, we need help. So they're, they're breaking apart what they previously did as their everyday cycles, and they're choosing a completely new one by putting everything down, and going. Now, let's find out how, it, how what happens. Let's go to Luke 22, which is the end of that mission. So Jesus asked them, When I sent you without purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they replied. So he said to them, But now, if you have a purse, take it and a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It's written, and he was, and he was numbered with uh, the transgressors, and I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said to him, See, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, Jesus replied. <laughs> so it worked out, okay? So that their choice to put down everything and to change that cycle of their existence meant that they were actually provided for by God. They learned what? That they could rely on God. They could properly rely on God for the very basics of existence. They probably also found out that they couldn't rely on every Jewish household. They could not rely on people, but they could rely on God. They they didn't lack anything. When they found a place where they were not given what they needed, they dusted off their feet and went because this was an incredibly urgent mission. It was a mission of a culture of hospitality now, what changes here? The circumstances. Jesus now says, instead, okay, so you found out, they found out that they could rely on God. He now says, stuff is changing. The situation, the circumstances are changing. I've got a new way that you're going to do the cycle of existence. And he says, this time, instead of putting down everything, I want you to pick it back up. Because no longer are we in the circumstances of hospitality. Now is hostility. He's tell- this This passage comes from the Last Supper. And Jesus has been chatting through with them and talking to them about the overview of the big mission they've been a part of. They've been squabbling about who's the greatest. Peter's been saying, oh, I'll never betray you. And Jesus says, yeah, I will. Yeah, you will. If you will betray me. And Peter's like, oh, okay. And then, there's a, then he concludes with this bit of What have you learned? It's like the teacher at the end of the lesson. What have you actually learned? You've been through this huge thing. Have you learned anything? You've learned this main thing that you can rely on God. That nothing is impossible for him. So now, now that you know that, the emotional situation is changing. Jesus is leaving for the cross. They need to pick up their stuff. This is a situation of real hostility. The Romans are coming for them. Now... What the bit about the sword doesn't mean is the disciples now have to pick up swords and start killing people. Because Peter tried, tried to slash someone's ear off and Jesus later says, No, there yeah, isn't the point. It's not why I'm asking you to get a sword. It is a bit confusing. He's, and The disciples are like, We have two swords? Maybe? Maybe is that enough? And Jesus says, That's enough. Like, he's, he's not exasperated with them, but he's finishing the conversation. The swords are symbolic. He's saying, we are going to be in a situation of real hostility. You're going to have to get your stuff with you and go. It's an emotional change which changes the way you're going to do the cycle, the normal cycle of your existence. So okay, so we've got two situations, two extreme circumstances that disciples go through with Jesus. And he gives them two different ways of doing their everyday lives. One, put down. The other, pick up. So what can we learn from that? Well, I think there's lots we can learn from that and I won't be able to go through all, partly because I don't understand it all. But the main thing I want to talk about is what circumstance are you in? What circumstance is Jesus putting you in at the start of this new year? We're in a new place. It's strange. You might be in a completely new cycle, readying for September, readying for the rest of this year. New job, new family, new people around you, what circumstances is Jesus putting you? And what is he doing with you this year? And how are you going to prepare? The question is, how are you going to pick up or put down to change that cycle of existence so that you can reimagine it in God's terms? We don't want to just keep imagining our own basic stuff of life in our own way. It's not going to work. We want to make sure that that part of our lives, that just normal mundane stuff, it's completely reimagined in God's terms. Now, you might be thinking, well, I don't quite know quite what you mean. It's like, there's still like, you mean I should change my commute? Should I go somewhere different? I, Jesus said to the disciples, well, don't greet anyone on the road. Should I not stop talking to people on the streets? and me? These are the, the little things. It is going to be little things, because little things can add up to make a huge difference. But okay, I'll give you a concrete example, and I'll take it from the great author, Roald Dahl. Now, this is by no means gospel. <laughs> Please don't take this as the word of the Lord. Um, and I'm going to take it from Matilda. And there's a point in Matilda, in the story of Matilda, where one step forward in changing the basic stuff of someone's everyday life transforms everything. So Matilda is a little girl, and she's a genius, right? Not only is a she genius, she's magic. She only has one friend in the world, really, and that is Miss Honey, her teacher. Her parents are horrible, her headmistress is horrible, she has Miss Honey, though. Now, Miss Honey and Matilda become much better friends, and Miss Honey takes Matilda back to her little hovel of a home, a terrible little poor dwelling with no, no real food, no nothing. And Matilda's tiny little girl sits at Miss Honey's feet and starts to realise that Miss Honey's life is even worse than her own. And she's st- because Matilda is a genius and magic, she starts to coax out what's been going wrong, Miss Honey. What's happened? Why are you so poor? Well, Miss Honey tells her that the headmistress, who's also her aunt, Miss Trunchbull, has been stealing all her money and getting the school to directly pay it into Miss Trunchbull's bank account. You shouldn't have done that, Matilda said. Your salary was your chance of freedom. Miss Trunchbull wasn't just stealing money. Miss Trunchbull had been abusing Miss Honey since she was very little. She'd been in a situation of serious horror. Her parents had died, and Miss Trunchbull was the only person Miss Honey had, and she abused that situation. I know, I know, Miss Honey, said. But by then I'd been a slave nearly all my life, and I hadn't the courage or the guts to say no. I was still petrified of her. She could hurt me so badly. So how did you manage to escape? Matilda asked. Ah, Miss Honey said, smiling for the first time. That was two years ago. It was my greatest triumph. Please tell me, Matilda said. I used to get up very early and go for walks while my aunt was still asleep, Miss Honey said. And one day I came across this tiny cottage It was empty. I found who owned it. It was a farmer. I went to see him, and I asked him if I could rent his cottage. I want to live there, I said. Please rent it to me. You look mad, he said. But if you insist, you're welcome to it. The rent will be ten pence a week. Here's one month's rent in advance, I said, giving him forty pence, and thank you so much. Super, Matilda cried. So suddenly you had a house all of your own. How did you pluck up the courage to tell your aunt? That was tough. But I just did this tell, announced that I was leaving to her. My aunt exploded. But effectively, she did it anyway. Now, okay. So obviously that's not that's not like a real thing that happened. But the main thing, okay, the, the main thing in that, and there is no magic go right. But the main thing is that, and you might even have missed it because it was only one sentence. But, the, actually, the cycle of Miss Honey's life changed in an instant. When she decided to start getting up and taking walks whilst her aunt was still asleep, it was a morsel of freedom. Just a tiny bit. A tiny bit of changing that routine that was, in her own words, her greatest triumph. Because by taking that bit, taking that first step, she found a cottage. And thought, actually, maybe I can get away. That routine that she was in before it broke because the tiniest bit of change. So, how can we transform our own lives by God's terms? How can we reimagine our everyday in His vision? Okay, well, there's lots of ways that we might be able to do it. The most important way is prayer. The most important way is in the everything and the anything, praying and inviting them in. And you can do that maybe by, there are, there's loads of different uh, paths to do it, in just throughout a day you can focus on one thing, just one thing, maybe forgiveness throughout all your day, and just see what in your normal routines pops up, what actually might God be saying to you? But we're going to have some time now, before the end of G2, to pause and think and allow God to interrupt our everyday right now, to prepare that bag, to figure out what we're going to pick up and what we're going to put down to change our everyday living. Now, we're each going to ask him if there is anything individually we can, uh, he can help us to transform. Now this is why you have the pieces of paper. Take them now. You pick them up earlier and I want you to take one or just two or three at random from your little pile. If you didn't get any, they like, might look at your person next to you. Now you can you can write on those at all, they're, they're certainly for you to take home. And, what I want you to do with them, in general, is take them all back with you and maybe assign the seven of them, assign a day a week, each one of them, to think about how am I gonna change that one thing? Is it work? Is it home? How I on Monday are you gonna look at? Are you gonna change home on Tuesday? Are you gonna change work on Wednesday? Are you gonna change travel? Take them home and do that. But right now, I just want you to take one. One at random. One at random, just take one at random. We're going to take one and pray into one of those things. They're all everyday activities, just normal things, and we're going to pray into them and see how God wants to transform them. Now once you've got it, imagine your routine for that thing. Imagine that area of life. What does it look like to you? What does Monday look like? What does Tuesday look like? They're all going to be different for all of you. But what does your specific cycle of existence look like in that place and home, and in work, or in travel, or in money? What are the, what are the ways you do normal stuff? And in what area of that do you always hit repeat? ask God now to bring stuff to the surface Lord we pray together Father show us how we can be transformed by this renewing in social, food, whatever what things do you repeat? it's not about overthinking we're not trying to overanalyze this stuff we just want to stop question it how can God change it? What does he want you to pick up, or put down, in those specific things. It could be the smallest thing: The way you cook. The way you talk differently to certain people. How you organise your money. Your cleaning routine. The hints you drop to your family. The way you do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. The hate you have for that certain chore or job, <sighs> kids running around on this particular time, when your brother calls, or how you feel about the commute, the morning is getting darker. As we prepare for this year in this new place, new situation, new start. Are you going to rethink about what you, how you're preparing? What's your bag going to look like? What are you picking up and putting down? That's it with you. Now write it down. Write it down. One thing. Write it down. What is it? What is that one thing that actually could be the difference? What is God talking to you about? If anything just pops into your head, just a thought. Lord, we pray for thoughts that are of you. Pray, Jesus, that you give us ideas and imaginations that would change our lives. Like Miss Honey, who just started taking a new walk. All that control went, disappeared. All that control of that evil abusive aunt went, because she started one thing. What routines, Lord, do we need rethinking? you're not getting anything or you're just waiting, just keep waiting, keep waiting and God, keep asking, Lord, what is it you're going to pinpoint? What is it, Father? Jesus, come over us, come speak to us. We want to do things by your terms. We want to, you are the God of our routine, our whole lives, Father, in our everything. Come meet us.